So we're in a series at the moment. Shazam preached several weeks ago a message called Know Your Message. And then uh, the week after he preached What Is The Message? Hopefully you can remember these things. Uh, and then he preached an intro to the gospel of the kingdom. That was two weeks ago. And then last week we were talking all morning about how wonderful mothers are. So we're in this series at the moment. And this morning we're going to deal with the question of what is the gospel? Amen. So I know that there are very many mature believers in this church, praise God. There are also some young Christians and some new Christians here. And there may also be people who are not yet Christians or maybe listening online and you're not yet a Christian. And the gospel is important and you need to understand if you're a very mature believer, you need to understand the gospel more deeply for yourself and in order to pass it on to others. If you're a young Christian or a new Christian today, you need to understand the gospel more deeply for yourself and to pass it on to others. Amen. And if you're not yet a Christian, you need to understand the gospel so that you can become a Christian and understand it more deeply and pass it on to others. So even though these are the simple foundations of our faith, they're still profound and have a big impact on our lives, even if we've been Christians for more than 70 years. Praise God. So I'm going to answer the question first in a quick summary answer. And it comes from Luke 19, verse 10. It's also in Matthew, but I'll read the one in Luke. And it says, For the Son of Man has come to seek and save that which was lost. And this is the summary of the gospel. And, and if you've read the New Testament, and especially the Gospels, you'll know that Son of Man is the way Jesus always talked about himself. He never said Jesus, he never said I when he was teaching. He said the Son of Man. So let me just paraphrase this for us. And this phrase is based on that verse. Jesus Christ came to seek and save the lost. This is the Gospel. And there's a lot in that little sentence, and let me just pick it apart. Jesus, the name itself means God is salvation. Christ, he is the Messiah. The Old Testament uh, prophesied uh, great ruler that will come, the anointed one to come. He came, that means he was somewhere, he was in heaven, and he came down to earth as a, as a human. Jesus Christ came to seek and Jesus is looking for you. He's tracking you down. And it's not just that he, uh, he, he doesn't know where you are. It's maybe that you don't know where he is before you know him. He came to save us. And so that tells us there's some kind of problem that puts us in jeopardy, some difficulty. Uh, and he came to save the lost. And there are people with a loss and in this case, the loss is a loss of connection and relationship with God. And so we're not going to talk too much this morning about evangelism, about how to bring people to the point of knowing that they want to get saved. We're going to focus on the actual getting saved 
from the scriptures. But just to mention it briefly, when we talk to people who, who don't know him yet, we, we want to get across that God exists, that there are massive benefits for being a Christian, that it's had a huge impact on our lives, and our testimonies are incredibly powerful in preaching the gospel, that God wants to intervene in your life, if you don't know him, and that he wants to heal you, restore you, and change your life for good, even before you know him. Let me say that again. God wants to heal you, restore you, and change your life for good, even before you know him. And he does this because he loves you, and he does it to get your attention and to reach out to you. When we preach the gospel, we should expect signs and wonders. And a sign and a wonder, what is that? Well, a sign, it points the way and it makes you wonder. And we should expect these things when we, when we speak about Jesus. And then we teach people that Jesus is a person, that he's God and he wants to meet you personally. And there's always uh, God involved on both sides of this operation. He's working on the individual to draw them to himself. But he's also working on you and with you. And the Holy Spirit is helping you and giving you the words. And if you read Luke 12, 12, it tells you it's in the context of what happens if you're delivered before magistrates uh, and judges. But the principle is the same. It says the Holy Spirit will give you the words you need so that you know what to say. So by the, the grace and the power of God, he, he will engineer situations where you'll be able to tell your friends or your colleagues or family about him and God will bring them to the point of wanting to become Christians. And this is what I want to really focus on this morning. Um, I'm going to give you how to get saved from the Bible in 10 verses. And this is, uh, a word of instruction is to help us, not only that we can go and find it, that we don't know it, and, and some of these things you may be learning for the first time, but also that it's a succinct way of uh, going through and presenting the, the, the salvation story to other people. There are other verses I could have chosen, but I think by picking just one verse on each of these things, um, it gives us an, an easy to follow guide that covers all of how to get saved in the Bible. So hopefully this will be useful either for your learning or for your giving it to other people. So one of the very useful questions that I find in, particularly in my work, I, I'm an engineer, I work in a technical subject and in anything really, a good question is what problem are we trying to solve? It focuses your mind and it helps you guide yourself uh, and others towards a solution. So we're going to start there. What problem are we trying to solve with salvation? So please turn with me to Romans chapter 6. So this is the first of the 10 verses we're going to, we're going to look at. Romans 6.23. It says, The wages of sin is death. The payment for sin. The, the payback for sin, the wages of sin, 
is death. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. So there's some way out of it. This verse doesn't go into detail. But the problem is there's this universal law that says if you sin, you die. That's how it works. And we know that if we just sin, we don't immediately drop dead. That's not our experience. That's not just what this is talking about. It means that if you live a life cut off from God, it will be not a fullness of life and a death. And eventually you will physically die and you'll be permanently cut off from God. So this is the death that it's talking about. But there must be some way out that's to do with Jesus. Okay, so... Please read the whole chapter there if you want some more information about that. So let's turn a few chapters earlier to Romans 3.23. This is the second verse that helps us. 3.23 says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So this problem with sin leading to death is a universal problem. Everybody experiences it. And you'll know in, in your heart, if you look deeply, you'll know that you've sinned at least once in your life. Everybody's at least sinned once in their life. And this takes us from the category of holy, which God is, to the category of not holy, because we've at least sinned once. And this is the barrier and the difficulty between us and God that is, is the problem that we're trying to solve here. But there's got to be a, a way out. And God gives us this way out. And I'm going to turn to possibly the most famous verse in the Bible. I'm sure many of you know this. It's, it's famous because it's very powerful and it, it sums up the gospel and God's part in it. John 3.16. It says that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, should not die, but have every, everlasting life. And so God's telling us here that even though there's this problem of sin and separation and death, God is giving us a way out himself through his own son, who is himself. His son Jesus is God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. It's the Trinity. God himself is giving himself, his only son. And what do we need to do? We need to believe in Jesus. And that's a summary of what our response needs to be. It's all about Jesus. Salvation is all about Jesus. And, okay, we've got a we could ask the question, what is it that we believe about Jesus? Is it sufficient just to know that he existed? Well, no. So there's another verse here in Romans 5 that helps us with this. At Romans 5, verse 8. It says, but God demonstrates his own love toward us. In that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than having now been justified by his blood, 
we shall be saved from wrath, anger, punishment through him. And the most important thing that Jesus did was that he died and he died on the cross. And this is the fundamental act that changed the whole universe and the whole of human history is that Jesus came and he died. And that's what this verse teaches us. This is how we're saved through the death of Jesus. So how is it that a death sets us free, somehow saves us and solves this problem for us? Let's go to Isaiah. And Isaiah 53 is going to help us with this. And this is a chapter that is all about the the coming Messiah. This is a messianic chapter. And it teaches about what is to come and about Jesus. And it explains why his death is so important. It says in verse 5, he, this is Jesus. If you read the context, it's talking about the Messiah, Jesus. So Jesus, and and also it's poetry, and so it's going to say the same thing using different words. And you'll see. It says in verse 5, He was wounded on the cross for our transgressions. That's just another word for sins. He was bruised, again, on the cross for our iniquities. That's just another word for sins. The chastisement, the punishment for our peace was upon him. And by his stripes, that pain and the punishment and the torment, we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Hallelujah. And this is how the death of Jesus is effective for our salvation. The punishment that was heading our way because we sinned, God took from us and put them on Jesus. And then punish Jesus. He punished Jesus in our place so that we didn't have to suffer the punishment. And remember, the punishment was death. Mm. Jesus was a substitute. He took the sin. He took the punishment from the Father so that we don't have to have the punishment. Isn't it wonderful? And so 1 Corinthians explains this to us. 1 Corinthians 15, this is the next verse. Verse 3 to 4. So this is Paul talking. He says, I delivered to you first what I received. I'm passing on what God told me. That Christ died for our sins, according to the scriptures. That's what it's about. And that he was buried. And that he rose again on the third day, according to the scriptures. 
And he was seen by Peter and the Twelve and the Five Hundred, and he explains. Mm. It is crucial to know that Jesus rose again from the dead. Amen. He died, he was buried, and he rose again. Amen. Now, he didn't stay dead because if he did, then the story would end. Mm. And really, it wouldn't be a very good story. It would be maybe he was able to take the sin, but there was something he couldn't overcome. There was some power that Jesus wouldn't have been able to defeat. But this is not true. Because only God can do this. Amen. And Jesus demonstrates his Godness and his ultimate power over all creation by raising from the dead. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. He has the power over death. Amen. There's no grave that could hold him. And th therefore, he demonstrates his power over all things. Jesus died, was buried, and was raised again, and he's still alive. Remember, there are a few people in the Bible who were raised from the dead. Lazarus is a famous example, there are others. But they died eventually. Of, of maybe old age or something else, there's only one person who has ever died and raised again and stays raised for the rest of eternity. And that's Jesus, the one who has all power. Amen. And only God can do this. Amen. So then what is our response? How do we get involved in this? How do we make it apply to us? We've got to understand it and believe it, but we've got a part to play in this. And so let's turn, uh, this is our verse number eight. This is Acts 3, verse 19. Acts 3, verse 19. It says, repent, therefore, and be converted, be saved, become a Christian, that your sins may be blotted out, so that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord and that he may send Jesus Christ. It's, it's repent. And, and that's the summary of our response to the gospel. And in fact, when Matthew summarizes what Jesus' message was on earth, he says Jesus was preaching, repent, because the kingdom of God's at hand. Repent, that's our response. And what does that mean? Repent means Acknowledge that you've done something wrong. Recognize it. Be sorry. And, and, and sorrow has got to be part of repentance. And then there's a turning and a turning away. And you say to God, look, I know that I've done this wrong. I realize I shouldn't have done that. It was wrong. I'm sorry. I won't do that again. That's our response to the gospel. Repent. We recognize that we have this sin problem and we give it to God and, and promise ourselves to him that we will make every effort and all our energy towards moving away from that and not doing those things again. And 
God's response to that is in 1 John 1. This is the ninth verse that we've looked at. Uh, 1 John, there's three small Johns before Revelation. 1, 2, 3 John. And in 1 John 1 verse 9, it tells us God's response. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And there's something else that the previous verse and this one is starting to bring out, that not only do in salvation we get a freedom from uh, sin and, and an association with the death, but there's also a righteousness that comes to us. It's the righteousness of Jesus. He forgives us, and what does it say? He cleanses us from all sin. He purifies us from sin. So the, the uncleanness that was in us gets taken and put onto Jesus and punished on the cross. And then the, the raising to life, life in all its fullness, righteousness that Jesus has gets transferred to us. What a wonderful Hallelujah. transference. Amen. Hallelujah. What a great deal. Hallelujah. What a good deal for us. Yes. And so then the Bible summarizes this. There's a very famous verse Many of you will know. I'm sure I learnt it when I was eight or nine in a in a memory verse, or maybe in a in a child's song. Romans ten, verse nine. What does it say? If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. This is the promise of God. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Let's just take that apart. If you confess with your mouth, that means if you say and mean it, if you say something that is actually true for you, the Lord Jesus, that Jesus is Lord. That means that Jesus, you recognize that he is he's God, he has all power. He is rightly to be the king of all things, the Lord of everything. And you're confessing it as you yourself. I am saying, I believe Jesus is my Lord. He's my boss. I'll follow him. Whatever he wants, wherever he leads, that's where I'm going. That's what I'm doing. That's what this means. And you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. You've got to believe, to believe God raised him from the dead, you've got to believe he died. So this is talking about what we've been talking about today. You believe that Jesus died for our sins. He was buried. He rose again. Therefore, you are saved with the heart you believe unto righteousness and the confession is important as well. You've got to speak it. You've got to say, yes, that's for me. Jesus is my Lord. I want this salvation. I'm repenting of my sin. I'm turning to him. He's mine. I'm his. We're together. 
And what does the Bible say? You will be saved. This is how to get saved. So there's nine verses there. And if you follow those yourself and you believe them, you're going to get saved. If you go through these with somebody else and they understand them and they believe them, they're going to get saved. That's what it means. But what then? And so the final verse, um, it's, a, it's a passage actually. It's in Acts 2. And Peter has drawn a crowd. You can read about that at the beginning of the chapter. And at the end, he stands up amongst this crowd and gives uh, a, a preach. In, in Acts 2, starting at verse 38. And, and the people have said in the previous verse... Uh, well, they were cut to the heart. Wow, what a great preach. We believe it. What shall we do? And Peter tells them. And I'd just like to point out that what I've said so far is what you need for salvation. Amen. And in a moment, I'm going to talk about baptism in water, baptism in the Holy Spirit, about breaking bread and praying and having fellowship and all the things that we need to do as Christians. But what I've already said is, is sufficient for salvation and some people don't get the right message with the gospel and they believe that it's all about what you do when you die now it's true we do go to heaven when we die and it will be wonderful but that's not the point and i'm going to give you an analogy hopefully help you i've been married to my wife yana for 22 years now By the grace of God, we'll have a long and happy life. And when we're 90 or 100, one of us will most likely die. And at that point, the other will inherit all of the money and whatever we've got. There'll be an inheritance. And that was kind of assured from the point we got married that there was going to be an inheritance when we died because that's how it works that's what we that's what we signed up for but wouldn't it be strange if that's all we did it for just imagine when we were both 21 and we said let's get married yep so that if i die you can have my inheritance if you die i can have your inheritance okay now we're married do you take, yes, do you take it, yes, rings. Okay, see you later. And then we spend 70 years never having any contact. And then on the deathbed, I get, maybe I'm on the deathbed at 90 and I get a visitor and it's Yana. He says, oh, hi, remember me? Yeah, remember, oh yeah, I remember you. I'm going to die now. You're going to get my inheritance. Great. Okay. Wouldn't that be strange? Because marriage is not for inheritance. And inheritance at the end, okay, it's good and you'll get some money, but that's not the point. Hallelujah. And the gospel is like that. You don't get saved just so that you can go to heaven at the end of your life. You get saved for the relationship. Amen. Amen. You get saved for the wonderful life with God. Amen. And so just as if you were to uh, help a married couple, you might say, 
here are all the things that you, you need to do. You really need to do. You need to talk to each other. You need to spend time together. You need to have good relations together. You maybe want to have children together. You need to spend time cultivating good relationships with each other and, and go on holidays together and do all kinds of wonderful things. And if you didn't do those things, you would still be married, but it's totally missing the point. And that's what the gospel's like. Because I'm gonna show you the things that, and I'm gonna say you need to do them you need to do these things that we're going to talk about. Not so that we can technically decide legally whether you're a Christian or not and whether you're going to heaven or not, because if you're saved, if you've believed those things, you've believed it. But these other things are crucial for a fullness of life in Jesus. Amen. It's not just about when you die. Mm. So these guys... We're saying to Peter, so what shall we do? And Peter stands up and he says, repent. So he starts, that's the gospel. That's the summary of what we've just been talking about. And he says, and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus for the remission of sins. Get baptized in water. You shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. You receive the gift. You need to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and for your children and those who are far off, as many as the Lord will call. And in other words, he testified, these are all things that we need to do. Often we stop at those verses. Those are the famous verses, but we need to carry on. It says, be saved from this per perverse generation. Keep yourself from perversity. Keep yourself from dodgy things that happen in this generation. Uh, those who gladly received were baptised and 3,000 souls were added. Here are some more things we need to do. They continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. Those teachers of the word who were preaching the word, maybe on Sundays or other times, you've got to listen and, and learn. Continue in fellowship. Meet with other Christians. You'll build each other up. Breaking of bread. You guys have got to break bread. It's really important. You'll find out why. And in prayers, pray, pray yourself, pray with other people. Can you see this is a list of what we do as a church? This is, this is what the gospel is. Then fear came on every soul. Many wonders and signs were done. Expect signs and wonders, an outpouring of miraculous from Amen. a supernatural God. Amen. Supernatural things. Expectations. All these who believed were together and had things in, all things in common and sold the possessions and goods and divided them all as anyone had need. Look after each other. If anybody in the church hasn't got enough money, is poor, is struggling, then let's get together and help them out. This is the gospel. Amen. Amen. Continue daily in one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house. Visit each other's houses in a COVID safe way. <laughs> uh, break bread with each other in each other's houses. Uh, eat, they ate food with the gladness and simplicity of heart. Eat with each other. Have meals with each other. Praise God. Worship. Praise is a super important part of what we do. This is the gospel. Mm. Have Amen. faith with all the people. And the Lord Amen. will add daily to the church those who have been saved. Amen. Evangelism. Go tell everybody. Get more people. This is the gospel. Amen. It doesn't stop at repent. Mm. No. It doesn't stop at be baptized in water. Or baptized in the Holy Spirit. There's all these things that lead to a fullness of life. If I don't do them, am I still saved? Do I still go to heaven? Well, yes, but that's not the point. 
yeah. for a fullness of life in Jesus, you have to do all these things to get the full package. Mm. And so that's the 10 verses, I think, that you can keep. Write them in your Bible. I'll Amen. put them in the notes. Hallelujah. Keep hold of them and use them as a tool. Mm. Now, just to finish, I just want to mention the first two of these because they're super important. We're going to talk just briefly about baptism in water and baptism in the Holy Spirit. These are part of the gospel. It's the same message. And so baptism in water is, is a really good passage in Romans 6 that goes into this. So read the whole of Romans 6, but here's, here's a couple of verses that will really help us on this. From verse uh, 4. Therefore, we were buried with him, with Jesus, through baptism into death. That just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in a newness of life. Amen. It's telling us to get baptised. For if we've been united together in the likeness of his death, Certainly we shall we also shall be in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this, our old man was crucified with him, that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves of sin. For he who's died has been freed from sin. And I think that word united together is very important. Helps mm -hmm. us understand what baptism is. Now we're not baptismal regenerationists. Mm -hmm. We don't believe that salvation comes through baptism and if you don't have it, you don't get salvation. That's, mm. not, that's not what the Bible says. Mm. All I said at the beginning is sufficient for salvation. But there's something very powerful about baptism in water. Amen. And the signs and the symbols that God gives us, they're not just nothing. Bread and wine is not just nothing. It's not just something to remember by. There's power. And in Amen. the same way, there's power in baptism in water. Amen. And there's a, this is a uniting. What you're doing when you're getting baptised in water, you're saying, Jesus and me, we're together. We're united in this. We're making a public declaration that the death that Jesus died applies to me. We're united in this. Hallelujah. It's for me. Look, everybody, I'm letting myself go into water which is like a picture of going down into the grave as a dead person. And being brought up out of the water, because if we left you in the water, you'd really die. So we, we bring you up out of the water, and that's you saying, I'm united with Jesus in his resurrection. Hallelujah. And the power of life, of an, an eternal life that Jesus experiences and shows and demonstrates through his raising from the dead applies to me Amen. we're united in this baptism is us showing to the world and declaring me and jesus were the same it's for me Amen. and you will find if you've not been baptized in water and you've been saved but not baptized yet you will find there's a powerful cutting off from sin yeah. When you became saved, you started, you know, repenting and moving away from sin, not wanting to do those things anymore. You may have had some success with that. I know it was my experience and the experience of many people 
that after being baptized, there was a huge power to overcome sin in our lives, Amen. in my life, Amen. that I didn't have before. And uh, every, everyone has access to this. If you get saved, the first thing you need to do is get baptized so that you go through this powerful sign and receive that freedom in your own life and the power Amen. to continue and to live a life free from sin. Amen. I strongly encourage you. I even command you, if you're saved, you need to get baptized in water as soon as possible, as soon as practical in our COVID safe environment. Please talk to us, talk to Shasan or me or Laddie or anybody else. We can make arrangements. Maybe we have to wait till after COVID. But if you're in a house and you live with people who are Christians and you have a bath, well, <laughs> use the bath. We can sort something out. Hallelujah. And think about it. Amen. And then I'd just like to talk briefly about baptism in the Holy Spirit in these last few minutes. We've been in Acts quite a bit recently. So let's just turn there in uh, Acts 1. So Jesus died, was buried, rose again, and then came back and taught his disciples. Uh, and lots of people saw him. And this, this is where the story picks up in Acts 1. And in verse 5, Jesus is saying, John baptized in water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit in a few days. And he goes on a few verses later and says, you'll receive power. And the word, the original there is dunamis, dynamite. You will receive dynamite power when the Holy Spirit has come on you. And you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, the end of the earth. There is a dynamite power that Amen. God puts on us Amen. when we get baptized in the Holy Spirit. Amen. There is an indwelling of the Holy Spirit when we get saved. There is a power. And it's not that if you don't get baptized in the Holy Spirit, you don't get saved. That's not it. But there's something more. And if you've become a Christian and you've thought, okay, well, is, there, is, is this it? Is there any more power that God has for me? The answer is yes. He wants to baptize you, fill you, overflow you with the power of the Holy Spirit. What happens then? Well, you can read the story through Acts. So the, uh, the, the day of Pentecost came. God put the power on the people. It looked like fire. They started speaking in tongues. Uh, 3,000 people got saved that day. Wonderful day of power. And the church was instantiated, was established uh, at that point. And, and great wonders and miracles continued from that time by the people full of the power of God. This power is for every Christian. There is nobody that is not qualified. If you're a Christian, you are qualified for having this power. And, and there, are, there are many instances in Acts, you see about five or six times people getting filled with the Holy Spirit and the same kinds of things happen. They speak in tongues, they start to prophesy, the, their life's transformed. I'm just gonna give you a couple of examples to finish here. In Acts, Acts 10, there was a, a, a Roman called Cornelius who feared God. And God asked Peter uh, to go and preach to him. And he says in, uh, let's have a look. 
So Peter preaches to them, he tells them all about the gospel. And, and even whilst he was preaching, it says in verse 44 of Acts 10, while Peter was still speaking the words, the Holy Spirit fell on those who heard, heard the word. Uh, and the circumcision, the, the Jews were astonished because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles also because they heard them speaking in tongues and magnifying God. And then Peter said, can anyone forbid water that these should not be baptized who've received the Holy Spirit just as we had? And he commanded them to be baptized quick. You've been baptized in the Holy Spirit. You've obviously got saved. Quick, let's get you baptized in water. It's all part of the same thing. It's all part of the same gospel. And Paul does a similar thing. And this is my last reference in Acts 19. And he uh, goes and visits uh, Corinth. And in verse one, he says, uh, Paul found some disciples and said to them, did you guys receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they said, we've not even heard of the Holy Spirit. Like, what's all that about? And he says, okay, well, what baptism were you baptized in then? And he said, look, we only know about John the Baptist's baptism. And Paul says, I'm paraphrasing a little, ah, right. Well, John baptized a baptism of repentance and it was all about who was to come. It's about Jesus. Did you not know? And when they heard this, like straight away, they must have received it, understood it, accepted it. They were baptized in water in the name of Jesus. Paul laid his hands on them. The Holy Spirit came on them in power. They spoke in tongues and they prophesied. So he caught them up on all those things in the same day. And Hallelujah. it can often happen that way, that someone gets saved, get baptised in water, and they immediately get baptised in the Holy Spirit. Amen. That might not be the case for everybody, if you've not just understood those things yet, or nobody told you, like in this case. Maybe you've not, maybe you're, you're born again, saved, Christian, but not yet baptised in water. Well, let's do that as soon as possible. Maybe you've been baptised in water or not, but you've not felt... Uh, an empowering of dynamite power of the Holy Spirit. You've not spoken in tongues. You've not prophesied. You've not laid hands on sick people and seen them healed. You've not seen miraculous signs and wonders. That's fine. It's for you. Amen. It is for you. Amen. Pray to God yourself. You don't need anyone laying hands on you. If you've got people around you who can lay hands on you, great. Pray with other people. Pray by yourself. Talk to Shasan or Larry or me or anybody else. This is for you, the power of God. It's the gospel. Amen. All these things are the gospel. Amen. And when we preach the gospel, let's not shortchange people by telling them it's just about getting to heaven. Mm. It is about getting to heaven and it will be wonderful, but yeah. there's so much more. Amen. Let's not shortchange them by not mentioning baptism in water. Let's not shortchange them by not mentioning being filled with the Holy Spirit and the dynamite power of God or all the things in Acts 2 there that we also need to do, breaking bread together, living together, looking, looking out for each other, worshipping together, praying together and all these things. So praise God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Isn't this salvation wonderful? What an amazing gift. Amen. I'm just going to hand back to Shasan to close the meeting. Amen. 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 Am